Hello and welcome to the Crisis of Faith podcast with Joe and Drew. My name is Drew. Here in a few moments I'll be joined by my friend Joe and we're going to talk through some issue of the scriptures or spirituality or religion or Jesus or or maybe just something that's not related to any of that. Um, but this week and next week in particular, these next two episodes are all about American politics. We recorded these in the two weeks leading up to the American presidential election. Um, we're about to either choose President Donald Trump or President Joe Bi- Vice President Joe Biden uh, to be the next leader of the free world. And, um, and it has become an incredibly charged uh, religious conversation. And so in this episode, we get into the race issues uh, that are involved and, and some of the poverty issues. And in the next episode, we talk a whole lot about pro-life and pro-choice stuff. Both of these episodes, I think, are very rich with useful, helpful information, no matter what side of the aisle you may find yourself on. And also, we took an extra step this week to make sure that this is not an explicit content episode. At t- From time to time, there are some curse words uh, that fly through the lips of either Joe or myself. And um, this week, we kind of thought, you know, this would be a nice episode to be able to share with um, more conservative friends who can be put off a bit by uh, curse words. So we replaced all of our curse words because we did get worked up a couple of times and and found ourselves saying those words that we can't say on television. Um, So we replaced them with what we deemed to be conservative safe, fundamentalist safe, uh, words. So you've got an episode here that you could share with anybody uh, if you want to start a conversation about Jesus and politics. So I wrote a little jingle to go along with this. We'll roll out the jingle and then we'll bring Joe into the conversation. Thanks again. Preacher, is it true that God is a white Republican? Loves his guns and his flags And he'd sell out his son If that's what it takes to win an election Preacher is Donald Trump God's new plan to show us the way And to save us He can build up a wall He can protect us from all The people who don't like our white Jesus Alright, so, man, what's going on? Happy uh, election season <laughs> Thank you. I bid thee hello. Did you know it was election season? I heard about that <laughs> on the radio. On a YouTube video? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was It was like four years old, but it still yeah. seems relevant. Yeah, yeah. We have the... Man, the ads are... They're all for like two... I don't even know what they're running for. I know nothing about any of this world. I really don't. <laughs> um, but I just yeah. keep seeing ads for two people. Um, and yeah, uh, is it uh, Donald Trump and what's the other one? Biden, Joe Biden? Uh, no, no, I know those guys. They're oh, on SNL, okay. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I know them. <laughs> I know them from Saturday Night Live. I don't get any of the jokes, uh, but <laughs> I do recognize the names. Um, no, these are like congressmen or senators or something like that. I don't know, Congress people, because one of them, one of them is an Abigail. Um. Yeah, and they're just back and forth. Every every ad I see is for that. I haven't seen ads for the president. Oh, really? I get them on, um, you know, so I got on Facebook f- for 
Yeah. Purposes of the podcast. And Welcome I get these to the party. Donald man. Trump ads. All yeah, it's great. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess maybe on Facebook I would if I if I ever went there for. I'm a. I'm like the opposite of everyone else on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, I feel like that's the place that you people used to go to just like creep around, and uh, just gather intel on people, who just yep. go to consume. I'm the opposite of that. I only put things there. I just like, oh, upload videos or whatever for our church or for my music or whatever, and then I just I'm in and out. I don't I don't yeah, pay yeah. attention to what's happening there at all. This this um, might offend some people if they are friends with me on Facebook, but I. Like, yeah, I've been on Facebook for years, and I just got back on to start, because I had to start a page, you know, for the the podcast here. And, yeah. Um, so I just friended a bunch of people, or people friended me, or whatever, you know, that I have known from all parts of my life, and I just immediately hide them. <laughs> just everybody. I, it's not. It's nothing against you. It's I didn't hide best. you. No, no, no. It, it's I for the best. My mom, I hid everybody, because it's just... I just am there. It's for to business. Work. Well, yeah. and it's it's also like I prefer it that way because I, I don't need to read. If there's people from my life that I'm friends with on Facebook, I'm glad I'm friends with them. But I don't need to read their billboard posts. Like if you want to talk to me, you can send me a message. Shoot me a text. I, we can, yeah, yeah, we right. can still do the the direct message thing through that. And Facebook's a good way to connect for that. It's a good way to be able to like. But yeah, I don't need to see what you were saying to everyone out of con out of <laughs> out of the context of your life. And I don't know your life, yeah. and I don't know you at all. Like, it's probably a good idea. You probably keep a lot more friends that way. Like not knowing right. all of their three a.m. thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, who would just want to listen to somebody talk for an hour? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. What, you're going to keep it under an hour? <laughs> I've got five pages of notes. For today, oh, God. So good. I've, got, uh, I've got two and a half, actually. Aw, oh, nuts. Mine, are, mine aren't really, mine are just more, um, just I'm, jokes. I'm actually doing sermons. Um, yeah, I've got a few jokes sprinkled in there, but I, I'm doing sermons for the next two weeks for our, our church on this uh, topic and so I think for the listener but we're not going to jump into this quite yet I think we have a couple other things we're going to talk about up front but just so you know what we're going to do here uh, Joe has some serious research and some serious like things that we really do need to talk about and like there are some big issues at stake here and I am mostly going to be playing the role of saying like yeah but that's probably not the biggest issues like <laughs> that's actually what I'm yeah. trying to teach my church right now is like whatever happens in the election it's actually not as important as now you need to vote you need to like there are some really important things that happen and long term there there is a, a long game thing but also you know some of who you vote for isn't quite as important as how you treat people uh, in the process and how you uh, act, uh, <laughs> your your vote and your voice in that way doesn't matter more than your vote and your voice in your day to day life. Like this is yeah, a thing we right. do once every four years, and uh, and looking your in laws in the eyes is something you got to do every day. Um, <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah. that's going to be a little bit of the role that I play. So if it sounds like I don't care about this very much, it's more of just me and Joe trying to balance each other out a little bit. <laughs> I do care about this a <laughs> tremendous amount. Yeah. I'm just as stinked up as he is about a lot of stuff, but who wants to listen to two privileged white dudes stinked up <laughs> yelling about it for a while. 
So I have mice in my house. Well, I had mice. I I might not have mice anymore. I'm not sure. Oh, you most uh, certainly do. <laughs> well, it's been a battle. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> there, you know, we heard this like scratching sound in in the walls. The mice are in the walls. I don't. I don't my house is like a hundred and. 12 years old or something. Why are you acting like you're surprised that they're in the walls? Did you never watch Tom and Jerry? I. Well, All you have yeah, to do is look for a little upside down U somewhere <laughs> in your baseboard. <laughs> yeah. That's their access I, point. That makes sense. So, yeah, the mice are the mice are in the walls, and I'm hearing this scratching, and I didn't know what it was, and then, you know, saw what we thought were mouse dropping, so we put out a couple of traps or whatever. And so the reason that you hear scratching, it turns out, I've done some research, um, is that mice, uh, rodents' teeth just keep growing and growing forever, and so they have to grind them down. So they're always chewing on your... It's really upsetting. Yeah, it's, it's gross. So they chew on your your wood and your drywall. They chew on everything. Um, so that it even, like, okay, so scratching and all hours of the night, because they're nocturnal, of course. It's so obnoxious. So I'm in my uh, kids' room, the youngest two share room, and I'm in there um, getting ready to put them to bed. And I hear this scratching, and it's just driving me bonkers. And I'm already stinked up. I I grabbed um, a plastic sword, like a Power Ranger sword or something that was you mean, Orion's. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have the power. No, so I start I start like I'm just banging on the. On the ceiling, you know, trying to get these mice to shut up. Yeah. And, you know, so when they, they're chewing all the time, it they, they chew through your, they weaken right. your, your drywall. Your so I'm banging on the ceiling with this thing, and boom, a hole opens up in the ceiling, and three baby mice drop oh. down <laughs> from the ceiling. And like my kids go running out of the room screaming. I, I go running out of the room screaming. Oh. and we're trying to, you know, So we get, get rid of the baby mice. And then we did find um, what I think is the access point outside in the masonry and you know, clogged that up and like found their, their base, uh, which is like a little landing um, – Going down to in Pittsburgh, everybody has a basement that's like an unfinished, like dungeony right. basement, right? So there's a little landing going down to that where I had some like you know some tools and some grocery bags just Schnitzel. piled up, and um, so there were that was kind of their like central hideout. So we found some droppings under there. So I'm cleaning all that out. I took everything out of there, sweeping, like sprayed everything down with bleach, and as I'm cleaning it out. Um, I had a standoff with an actual mouse. He's there, and like I have a shovel, and I'm trying to like kill him. varmint. And he's running around. I've ever heard. And he, no, it's not. It's not yet. It's not the worst thing you've ever heard. Mice falling out of the ceilings. Standoff with the mouse. He runs away. He gets away from me. And so then, all right, at at this their central station, I put out literally forty five. Mouse traps. They're just like every three inches around the perimeter of this thing. I have, I have all these mouse traps out. So um, then later that evening, Gwendolyn and I are sitting on the couch. We're watching TV and we hear snap. Okay, so I go in there and there's a mouse caught in the trap. And I, I, 
I reach down to like with a bag on my hand, I'm gonna pick it up, throw it away, and it, it moves. The mouse is trapped in the trap, but he's still alive. Uh, so I go and get the, the shovel, the same shovel that I've been at war with. This, I assume it's the same mouse. I go and get the shovel, and I can't really see it because of the way like I'm standing on the stairs, and of course yeah. there's mouse traps all over the floor, so I'm like afraid of. <laughs> so I just I take the shovel and I just slam it down on this mouse trap. I'm sure I've killed him, right? He's got to be, and I'll I'll deal with it in the morning. Uh, I'm just gonna. I, I just don't want to see. I want to let him die. I come back in the morning. This mouse trap that has trapped a mouse and that I have then slammed with a shovel is on the other side of that landing and empty. <laughs> it's the most. Oh, it's, it's horrendous. But oh. anyway, I, I think we've got him now. I think we've taken it's care also, of all the mice. It's also champion. Like mice are gross oh. and everything, but they're also. Like that's a survivor. Yeah, he deserves to live. My dad used to. Um, the, he 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 doesn't. He practice. deserves to die. <laughs> he managed a medical practice for a long time, and they would every once in a while. It was a huge building in the woods, and every once in a while they would get some mice, and uh, he would set up traps. And he just over the years discovered which traps were best to work with. But he would do like the sticky ones, and he would come back the next day. And there would just be the trap with like three mice feet on it. Oh, yeah, because they would literally like get trapped on <laughs> like it and saw. Like, gnaw off their own <laughs> hands and feet uh, to pause. I guess they don't have hands and feet, do they? I don't, I've Ugh. never gotten close enough. Jerry I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what the worst part about this Crazy. story is? I have I have cats. Fudgy the whale. Deadbeat, lazy cats who aren't doing anything. <laughs> you got to stop feeding them for a couple of days. <laughs> Teach them the way of the streets. Oh, yeah, that's pretty great. Or oh, yeah. Did you want to talk about gonna, Pope? Yeah. Did you see he's he's pro um, civil union? I just saw now. a headline. I just saw a headline, and I didn't uh, I didn't click into it. Um, really? Yeah. Well, it's actually. So what does that so, mean? You work for a Catholic <clears throat> university. You, yeah, you know some Catholic right. people. What does that What does that mean? Because that seems nuts to me. Because it seems like the Catholic Church, whenever it comes to things like that, they do still set the tone. Like. Protestants may point and shake their finger and say those idiot Catholics are doing that over there, <laughs> yeah. and then twenty, thirty years later, we follow them. Um, well, yeah, I mean they're they're big. They're two billion of them. Yeah, but here's the thing, like, I don't know why this is making headlines now. I mean, because he made a speech or whatever. But Pope Francis, when before he was Pope Francis, like ten years ago, when he was a cardinal in Argentina, was Captain Frank. Yeah, when, was um, Francis. He was Captain Frank. <laughs> he he's been arguing for civil unions for a decade at least. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know anything about him. Uh, that's and so and the thing is, so in between these arguments that he's made for like pro civil unions, he's also said some really like schnitzel backwards things about 
gay people and about gay marriage. Like, you know, he affirms that, like, gay marriage will never happen in the Catholic Church. And he thinks that that same-sex sex is icky and unnatural and all this stuff. And, like... He's the Pope. He thinks all sex is icky. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, it's really... It's cool that they're... That he's saying these things that are pro civil unions, and I like Pope Francis in general. But yeah. like, people, um, you have to say you that know, for your job, right? <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> used to criticize him, or people do, you know, criticized him on this issue for being like inconsistent. Or some people, the New York Times put out an article. This was like ten years ago, saying that he was, um, like pragmatic and and smart and pragmatic and political or whatever doing this. And I think it's just, this is like Americans are used to reading the new, like religious news through evangelical eyes. Yeah. Um, where like this is, you know, Pope Francis has normal conservative religious views about gay marriage. Um, but the Catholics learned 500 years ago to stop trying to foist their their political views onto the government. Uh, and so when we see somebody saying, well, you know, being gay is icky and we'll never allow marriage in our churches, but you know, they can get civil unions, whatever. Like, we take that as the Pope being radical because we're used to the religious right, like, right. demanding that their values be... yeah. The law of the land. You should do what I should do. What I, <laughs> yeah. what I think I should do. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's whatever. Okay. Well, that that's actually helpful. I, I didn't know what that meant uh, just from just from the headline. Um, and I had made a note to myself to read it. And then I saw yesterday you, you let me know that you wanted to talk about this today. Um, I thought, well, good. I don't have to read it. Joe will read it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting to hear that because you're absolutely right in, in evangelical you know, Protestant world, if whatever, if Stephen Furtick came out today or Rick Warren or Andy Stanley and said, I'm affirming of civil unions, it would sort of either be like, farewell, Andy Stanley, <laughs> right. or it would be, you know, it would, it would be both. I mean, half of the church would probably be like, okay, finally, um, we can stop dealing with this stupid thing that we've had as you know, central to everything that we are, defining everything that we are for some weird reason. Um, and then you'd have another group of people who were like, well, he doesn't uh, believe the Bible anymore. Um, <laughs> right. But to to hear that that's the Pope, I don't know. I, I, I think I've been, that's probably a good way of kind of getting us into this conversation today is to talk about like, yeah, that particular thing about American evangelicalism, American politics just has this bent like written into our bones that says like what it really means to be a Christian is to enforce um, American evangelical ideals onto the entire nation. Uh, like right, that's it. it. Law. Yeah, right. make make what we think is the the writing on the on the tablets. Make that law for everyone. Um, and it's interesting to hear that there is actually another way uh, to say, like, <laughs> I'm going to do this this way in my life. And what do I care who you marry? <laughs> right. Uh,
Well, let, let's let's talk, Joe. Let's get into uh, let's dive into the deep end here. I think we're we're probably going to split this into two episodes. Um, we'll see where where it makes sense to split it in half. Um, but I thought as a as an opener, as a way to get in, just have a couple of little ideas for myself that, um, as far as I can tell, I'm just going to play this side of it. Um, Jesus didn't teach American politics. Um, the Bible doesn't teach American politics. Uh, as far as I can tell, there's pretty much not a single party line political issue that has a clear boundary in the scriptures um, between Christian and non-Christian. Um, and, uh, and I'm wondering if, if I'm missing something. Uh, for starters, like, is there really... Um, is there really a clear line that's drawn somewhere that says if you're going to follow Jesus, then you really do have to stand for these things? <laughs> well, I mean, the Bible does have a lot to say about the immigrant, uh, yep. often translated the stranger, and the poor, right, and the widow and the orphan. Um, so Is insofar it for against them? <laughs> well, it's it's for not nations caring for these. We've never people. talked about those. <laughs> um, <Just kidding. laughs> so, like, insofar as those become political issues, like insofar yeah. as it becomes a political issue to uh, care for the poor or to seek justice for immigrants, then yeah, I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Yeah. But those are the see see that's a that's the that's the thing, man. That's the thing that can get me on a soapbox and I'm supposed to be the nice guy here. Um <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right. I think if there's going to be a line drawn anywhere, the line is drawn on how do you treat the poor? How do you treat and and even how do you treat your opposition? I mean, even just throw into that your enemies. <laughs> throw into that those yeah, who persecute sure. you those who oppress you those who like um those who would come against you because of your faith or your beliefs or those who like those are the things jesus talks about and those are not the things that i mean i literally got a piece of mail let me see if i can find it i have a piece of mail laying around here somewhere oh there it is I got a piece of mail as a as a pastor. This came to the church, uh, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, um, mm. and it is mm-hmm. a, you know, Christians have an obligation to be effective citizens. Uh, in close, are your congregation's 2020 nonpartisan voter guides. You're pleased <laughs> to provide these free of charge to help you educate and inform your members. And then they gave me these. This big old stack of things that tell you to vote for Republicans. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just ludicrous. And some of the stuff on here is, it's not only, I just got a text about Nick Freitas. I literally, like, <laughs> did you hear it? Did you hear me get a yeah. text? Yeah. <laughs> I literally just got a text saying I need to vote for the Republican. Whatever, they heard me. Um they're in on this. Um, some of the stuff on here is like, uh, 
new taxes to provide more um, funding for inner city and, and poor people. Like, vote for this guy because he says no to that stuff. Um, border wall. Vote for this guy because he says yes to that stuff. That keep more people out um, and get these people who are in out. Like, it's, it's crazy. I don't know what school choice is. Do you know what school choice is? Uh, yeah, like... I know it's unchristian. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know that for sure. It says here very clearly, if you're for school choice, you're not a Christian. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. All the Republicans are for school choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y- you want to be for school choice. That's that's the Betsy DeVos. It's like give, give um, people... Like tax credits to go to private schools where they don't have to learn gotcha. about evolution and gotcha. Yep, stuff like that. Crazy man. Um, I did not request this service, by the way. Well, the I mean, sending these in the mail to me. It is effective. Whatever this, like the collu- the 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 unification of the evangelical, like of evangelical Christianity with the Republican Party, is almost complete. Yeah, you can't tell where one ends and and the other begins. It's totally last true. election season. Eighty one percent of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. Like that's way more than voted for George W. Bush in either election. That's way more than voted for Ronald Reagan than voted for Jimmy Carter, who they were on about you know for a while. Eighty one percent voted for Don- like it's. It's shocking. Yeah. Um, well, have you been to the websites? Who's the websites who's that are devoted to uh, the ones that help you de- decide if you're a Christian whether you should vote for a Republican oh, or no. go to hell? Um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you one. They're so. Oh, that would be fun. We should have gone so through that on the show. Crazy. It's not though. It's not fun. <laughs> okay. It's. I thought the same thing. You know, I went and checked out a couple of them. I had gotten emails like that. I need to see these. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. And I got on there, and I mean, within seconds, I was just like, "Ah, nuts! This is not manipulative. This is damaging. Like, manipulative yeah. can be funny. You'd be like, oh, you're just you're <laughs> gonna like take scripture out of context to prove that this is like that could be fun for me because I actually probably know the context or I could find it out for myself real quickly. But it wasn't just manipulative. It's it's infuriating. Yeah. It, it's it's this like. Not only do you have to vote for zero laws whatsoever regulating the guns that people have, not only do you have to if you're a Christian, you also probably need to pull a weapon on anybody who votes against it. You know what I mean? Like those those people have to be stopped so that God can finally do what God has always wanted to do in this nation. Um, you know, it's that it's it's crazy. It's like it's not even I don't know. Like I said, I went there to grab some jokes. Um, and uh, and I couldn't come up with any because it's too dark. <laughs> well, that's I mean the thing is like so evangelicals voted for Trump eighty one percent of white evangelicals and like like we this guy like this guy is who we, like he's he is a liar. <laughs> Just bold, like 72%. PolitiFact says 72% of the statements that Donald Trump makes, false. Uh, 
That's crazy, Joe. He promised a wall, and he gave us a wall. He promised to lock Hillary up, and she's in jail last I checked. I haven't seen her. Have you seen her? No, because she's in jail. He's just, like, he brags about about grabbing women by their schnitzel and, like, you know, other other forms of sexual assault. He have you seen the mocks people with disabilities? Like this is the kind of guy that that evangelicals are voting for. Um, have you seen the Daily Show bits where they go through that stuff where they they basically like um, like run that by evangelicals at Trump rallies? Oh no! And like and they just say stuff like, "Oh, it's just locker room talk," and then follow up with, "Oh." Do your do you talk like that in the locker room? Like, no, no, I I wouldn't talk. Like that. <laughs> do your sons talk like that in the locker? No, I would never let them. Like, oh, do your pastors talk like that in the locker? Well, I sure hope not. They wouldn't be my pastor anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like power over why everything. We, why are we power wearing Trump's these blinders? blinders? Yeah. About and like, so I I get that. People, a lot of people that I know, you know, okay, there are a lot of evangelical leaders out there. Um, you know, what's his name? Falwell before his fall from grace and Joe, he Jeffers literally or fell down a stairway <laughs> <laughs> too soon and hurt himself. <laughs> um, you know, who are saying like that Donald Trump is. You know God's agent of, of redemption for the nation, and that this is God's man, and like forget about those people. Like I'm not even talking about them. They're obviously sold out to to the power. I'm talking about evangelicals who held their nose and voted for this person that they they say they didn't like, but they thought they had to because what other choice did they have? Um, like, can we, can we talk about that? Yeah. How how does it feel to, well, that's everybody I know. So I think that's important. Like nobody I know likes Jerry Falwell Jr. Right. Nobody I know. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but I think pretty much everybody's gotten off the Franklin Graham train. Most of them are like, yeah, I'm not so sure that he is using his name for something. I mean, they both are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. But there are some, I mean, most of the, it's still probably most of the Christians that I know are still evangelicals who are holding their nose and saying, I don't know, he's not the best thing. But but we got to because we're Christians. Right. And look at the mail we get. Right. So, I mean, I think for me, the thing, I mean, we could I, we could pick any number of things to talk about. But, like, well, let's talk about racism. <laughs> because, okay, and, and I want to, like, every evangelical that I know who voted for Donald Trump will say, racism is bad. I think it's we can all agree on that. <laughs> um, and, but I, I think it's important to say why racism is bad. It's not bad because... It, like when when somebody makes racist statements, um, 
it's not it's not bad because that's crude or that's ugly or that that person's being mean or whatever. That's not the reason that it's bad. It's bad because when you make racist statements, you within your sphere of influence perpetuate racist systems right that oppress and hurt brown and black people that lead to the loss of of brown and black people's lives in many cases and and of their livelihoods in very very many more um and so when you have uh someone at the helm of the nation, you know, whose circle of influence is the United States of America and the broader world making these statements. It's not just that it's crude or it's ugly and we don't like it, but we're going to have to vote for him anyway. It perpetuates systems mm-hmm. that that lead to people not being able to get jobs, that lead to people being paid less for the jobs that they do, that lead to people being arrested and convicted for crimes that they didn't commit or at higher rates than than white people. Uh, it leads to people having harsher sentences. It leads to people being shot in the streets. Yeah. Like that's what's at stake, that, that brown and black people are in danger, in danger because of the, the kinds of statements that this president makes. Uh, yeah, you exactly. know, this president who, who acts like Black city, the majority black cities in the U.S. are war zones. He talks about how you get shot just walking to the store. He talks about how there's no education in American inner cities, no jobs. Um, he calls. She's never been there. <laughs> I mean, it's just right, right. Just, just never has stuff, no. It's like you get shot walking to the store. I mean, okay, a lot of old white grandpas believe that. About but inner when city have you Chicago because <laughs> they've never been to inner city Chicago, right? right. And the news doesn't report. Uh, hey, had another day where Susan walked to the grocery store and back home in inner city Chicago and was not shot by anyone of color. Like, <laughs> right, just doesn't make for great news. But yeah, it's that, like razor blades in the. I should just Halloween apples. I think it should just be one. Exactly, it's just one of those things that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and like so he he calls Black Lives Matter protesters which like whatever you think of the the movement, the protests, whatever, like he calls these people these are quotes thugs and low yep. life and scum. Yep. Um you know there's that the famous line that he says about when the when the looting starts the shooting starts. That schnitzel is that has a history, just like Law and Order. He ran on in twenty sixteen on being the Law and Order president. Those phrases have history in Jim Crow era, and Trump knows it. Like this is not he is intentionally like dog whistling, signaling to his base. Right. Um, this this is explicitly racist stuff. He tells police officers to be more aggressive. Like they're. Uh, Remember when he did did the speech about if you're um, putting someone in, in the back of your cruiser and don't put your hand over their head to block them from slamming their head into the door, just throw them in there. Yeah, like yeah. He in in a nation when we are again whatever you think of Black Lives Matter and the the protests and the movement, 
we're in a crisis where police brutality is is out of control. And here is the president telling police officers, please be more aggressive and canceling racial sensitivity training for government workers. Right. Which I, I'd just like to, I would just like to interject the, this is a, I would think this would be a preacher line. I, I hear very few preachers saying this, but it's also a, a, a clearly historic line. Um, violence begets violence. Like there is a, how does, how does no one see yeah. that if you're trying to solve a problem that you, you, even if you think the problem is violent crime or whatever that you're trying to resolve, that being more aggressive and being more violent towards anyone never results in less violence. Right. Wars don't end wars. Like they're not, um, it's just, it's not even counterintuitive. It's just, reality like we just I, I don't know and the the preacher in me wants to say plus you know I mean Jesus was pretty clear on this stuff like Jesus was not a law and order politician like th- this is not the way of Christ and I and that's the only thing I, I I have a hard time getting my head around anybody who is still whether they're holding their nose or not and i there's so many Christians I know who aren't even holding their nose to vote. They're yeah. they're they're writing praise Happily. poems. Yeah, yeah they, they love him. They think he's the best thing that's ever happened. Uh, whatever. Um, but how is how are Christian? How are followers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth landing at? Yeah grab people by the shoulders, throw them into the police, try to hit their head on the side of the car. Like, how, how are we getting beside, um, oh, they're protesting, tear gas them. Oh, they're, they're peacefully standing in front of a church, gas them out. Like, how? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's cra- I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. After the, after the first presidential debate, um, you know, about how, Trump refused, just outright refused to condemn white white supremacy and white nationalism. And then, you know, signal, tells the Proud Boys, stand by. It's right. like white supremacist terrorist group. Uh, and that's, it's not the first time it happened uh, in in Charlottesville in 2017 when, when white, or white supremacist groups had rallies there and ran a woman over with their car. Um, and he was saying, well, they're good people, you know, yeah. good people on both sides of that. Um, and it just like, <laughs> he's like, accidents happened at white supremacist rallies. Don't I know? <laughs> they're just, <laughs> we're a, we're a, we're a clunky bunch. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's just unbelievable. Like he, Not not just like African Americans, but also when he's talking about immigration, right? I mean, we right. we know after we know about all the Muslim bans, uh, and also like famously calling Mexicans 
drug pushers and rapists, every you know, every Mexican coming across the border. Um, he, he said that these are not people, they're animals. That's a direct quote uh, yeah. of of immigrants. Um, you know, there was the the meeting where he's like discussing immigration protections for people from El Salvador and Haiti and a couple of African countries. And he said, and again, a quote, why are we having these people from shithole countries here? Yeah. And then he said that we should instead accept more immigrants from countries like Norway. Hmm. I wonder (laughs) what countries like Norway means. Right. And this is, this is, this is what he ran on. This is not new. This is not surprising. Nobody should be surprised about this. What he ran on was building a wall against Mexicans about stopping Muslim in- immigration and about inner city crime and being the law and order president. This was racist politics from the beginning. He made his fame with the the birther controversy um, saying that President Obama, because he's black, couldn't have been from America. Like This is racist politics down to the bone yeah somebody told me the other day they said uh they said i just don't understand why people won't leave trump alone they left obama alone the whole eight years that he was in office (laughs) they they didn't give him any problems whatsoever and now these people just won't leave him alone i'm like you know he wasn't even a politician uh (laughs) he wasn't even in like running for president this time and he was leading the charge to try to prove that the first black president in the United States was literally from Africa. <laughs> right. How ridiculously racist. Anyways. So, I mean, it's just like, what I want to say is that when somebody does this, when somebody makes racist statements, um, on a regular basis like this, and that person is in the Oval Office, that that hurts and kills black and brown people. Like, that leads to police brutality. That leads to um, people not being considered for jobs, people getting paid less for jobs. That leads to people being imprisoned, and that leads to people being killed. Why is that not a deal? I understand you're holding your nose. You're not happy about Donald Trump. You don't love him. Why is that? Like when your brothers and sisters in Christ are being killed, are being hurt, their well-being is threatened, and you're saying, well, it's not a deal breaker for me. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like sit with that for a minute. Like, ask yourself, why isn't this a deal breaker? Even if you're saying, you know, I didn't vote for him because of his racial bigotry. I, I voted for him in spite of it. I voted for him because Supreme Court justices, because abortion, because religious liberty, because the economy, because whatever. What you're saying is that the lives of people who are being harmed, of your brothers and sisters in Christ who are being harmed because of this racist politics don't matter yeah and like think about why that might be problematic (laughs) martin luther king uh jr in his 
letter from Birmingham jail says, this is a quote, uh, we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. This is, this is where we are. Yeah. So, I, and I, I mean, nothing needs to be added to that, but I'll try anyways, just to say like, what is the what is the kingdom of God, the commonwealth of God that's being built by the Trump administration? What is the good that's being pushed? Like yeah. we we know of a lot of bad and and we're we're holding our noses to vote, you know, not we, I'm not. I won't. <laughs> I won't be. But for the Christians who say we're holding our nose and voting for what is the good that's being done? And I know we're going to talk about abortion here in just a minute. That seems to be the only thing left, um, which is odd. We have plenty to say about why that's odd. I'm just concerned that irreparable damage is being done to the church in the United yeah, States. Sure. I'm just being concerned. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that there is just no turning back that we're about to end up on the wrong side of history that yeah that pretty soon a cross necklace is going to look like a swastika tattoo to people that's right an evangelical church building is going to start looking like a gathering of white supremacists if 81 percent of all white church people are for this guy and you can say all you want, we're for him because we're against abortion. Okay, fine. That's not what everyone else is hearing. That's not what everyone else is upset about. Yeah. And, and I'll, again, I don't want to jump, jump to the wrong subject, but that may be the only thing that you vote for. Maybe the only thing you're thinking about. It's not the only thing the rest of the world is thinking about. It's not the thing that affects most people. It's, it's not even an issue that is an issue for the vast majority of Americans. That's not what they think when it's 81% of white Christian people who vote for the guy who is blatantly saying and doing racist things. They just assume, oh, if you're white and you're a Christian, you're also you a racist. You must be into that stuff. No matter, again, I, I, you can't be said enough. No matter how much you say, well, it's not for that. They don't hear that. The rest of the world doesn't hear that. No one thinks that about the church right now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's, it's important to say like a little bit, and I might be especially in this position as a person who's kind of like in progressive mainline, like I I don't, I'm not an evangelical in any sociologically relevant way. Yeah. Um, But... I'm not talking about them. Like, I'm not talking about some people over there who, you know, voted for Donald Trump or said this thing or did this thing or, you know, believe these things or whatever. Like, because I understand as a, as a Christian, there is no us that doesn't already include them. Uh, like... And as an American, there is no 
there's no America that doesn't already include these people. Like, I think that that Christianity as a religion, especially in America, is in a crisis yeah. of how it handles political questions that's been brewing, you know, for 50 years now. And I think our nation is in a spiritual crisis. Um, that like that's about all of us. Yeah, it's true. And I, uh, th- this is um, not not totally off topic, but let me just uh, you and I before we came live, we were just talking about how I felt about my my job in a church right now um, that is really really struggling. Um, I saw some statistics the other day, and actually sent you the article. Um, that a, a really, really wide-reaching survey was done about of American churchgoers, um, American evangelical churchgoers. And they discovered that um, in this pandemic, in the place that we're at with COVID-19 and all things 2020 and all this, um, about 48% of people who were attending church regularly in January of this year are active at all in their church now so like a little less than half of the people in the united states across the board are they were going to buildings going to gatherings now about a little less than half of them are even bothering to log on to 30 minute events from their bedroom (laughs) at this point (laughs) yeah 35 percent of american evangelicals when asked when do you plan to get back into it? 35% say, I have no plans of getting back into it anytime soon. Maybe ever. Hmm. A little more than one out of every three Christians who were going to churches before all of this are now saying, I have no plans of going back anytime soon. Maybe ever. Wow. And I have to, it's not, unrelated yeah, if what sure. the American church stood for was compelling and and Christ centered and built on the very things that it claims to be built on then you wouldn't have one third of the people having their Sunday morning routine interrupted for six months and then all of a sudden saying oh what do I care I'm not ever going back to that obviously because it, yeah. my spiritual life is exactly the same as it was back then. I feel just as healthy, just as connected to God. Whether Now, whether that's a good thing or not, whether it's like just as unconnected or just as connected, basically they're saying what the church was for me, over a third are saying what the church was for me, totally it. unnecessary. I don't need it. Yeah. That is upsetting. And it can't be unrelated to all of this stuff. It's yeah, not just COVID-19. Sure. COVID-19 just happened to push the ball forward a little more quickly. But a whole bunch of Christians, and the younger they are, the less likely they are to want to participate in this at all because they're seeing through the curtain or behind the curtain. They're seeing through it all and saying, this whole thing that claims to stand for Jesus seems to oppose all of the Jesus things. <laughs> right. If Jesus right. himself were trying to get across the border, they would say, mm, I know what your type is like. Um, you had this Matthew 25 stuff in your notes, which I think yeah. you need to jump to that. Or, sure. Man, I think that's... So I think, 
It's just I'm so quoting, good. I'm quoting Matthew 5 and Matthew 25 more than anything else. The rest of the it doesn't thing, matter to me right now. It's all... The thing about Matthew 25 that I had never really noticed until I was reading... Um, you know, this is the famous passage where it's the, the great last judgment Jesus stands, separates the goats from the sheep, right? The in from the out, whatever. Um, and I always read this as a... This is a spiritual text. It's about me, right? It's about me and you and individuals. How do we relate to God? Yeah. Um, and I was, to prepare for this podcast, I was reading Jim Wallace's new book. Um, can't think of the title offhand. And he points out, I mean, it's just right there in the text. It's not like anything I had to look for. Uh, just read it. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. This is not a judgment of individuals. This is a mm. judgment for how nations act. This is how God will judge the nations. And and what does you know, how does Christ judge the nations? He says, Well, I was hungry, you know. I was like a I was a working single mom trying to feed my kids and you voted for a budget that cut food stamp benefits by 30%, by $180 yeah. billion, dollars, right? I was thirsty because I lived in the black part of Flint, Michigan, where there's still lead in the water and you didn't do anything about it. I was a stranger. It's so bothersome. And the word that's translated like it's everywhere, everywhere in the Bible, it talks about strangers. It's The word is literally immigrant. Yeah. I was an immigrant. Uh, and you, you know, I was an immigrant child, and you separated me from my parents and locked me up in a baby jail and then lost me, lost connection with my parents so that I never found them again. You know, I was one of the one in three black men who find themselves in prison, and you voted to implement longer and harsher sentences. Like, and Jesus, what Jesus says is so profound is, when you do that, as a nation, when you choose to ignore the hungry and the thirsty and the immigrant and the sick and the imprisoned, you do that to me. Yeah. Yep. You've done it to me. Which means that, that to do that, uh, to, to have, as a nation, to set up policies that ignore and marginalize people is not just a lack of compassion. It is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. Yeah. Which, yeah. My, uh, I think I told you, my, my father asked me, and very in, in a very cavalier way, it was not a, a big conversation. We just talk about this stuff a lot. And he, he asked me, he was like, well, Drew, it kind of sounds like from, one, from some of what you're saying about Trump, it's like, it sounds like you think he's the antichrist <laughs> because we come from a tradition that sort of thinks that the antichrist is a single individual person. Um, and since the United States is the whole world uh, to us, we think that it's probably going to be a United States <laughs> leader. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and my response to that was essentially to say, you know, a little bit of what I just said, like, I'm not sure I think the antichrist is an individual person, but I would just say, dad, this administration stands for all things that are anti 
Christ, like <laughs> Jesus teaches, love and care for the poor the best way possible. The Republican Party teaches, or the Trump administration in particular, teaches tax cuts for the rich and uh, budget cuts to funding for f- poor people. Like, and that's just one of the many, many examples. This administration, Jesus teaches, welcome the foreigner, welcome the immigrant. This administration was voted in on the campaign slogan, build a wall. Like, (laughs) it is anti-Christ. It's not, I don't know. There, there is not one little thing that we can all vote for and say, it's all, it's not about any of that, Drew. We didn't vote for that. We voted for this. but you voted for that too. Yeah, right. You voted for a whole bunch right. of antichrist things to protect and change one thing that you think of as Christ like the abortion law. You think to overturn Roe versus Wade is the Christ like thing to do. Fine. Again, stick around. This might actually be the next podcast that you got to jump to to hear us talk about ab- abortion stuff too. But if that's where you stand, you got to understand you are voting for one thing that you consider Christ-like, and a whole bunch of stuff that is anti-Christ. One thing that you consider to be Christ-like that Christ never addressed at all, uh, specifically, explicitly. That comes. What comes with it is a ton of anti-actual teachings of Jesus. Yeah. Right. And it's that that is it's not just an individual issue like that is the nation in crisis That's a nation that's a nation in crisis yeah and you Absolutely. know um I like that not Evils Weber posted this on on Instagram the other day and like it's just this is so true um, in in the Bible there's like this tetrad of people that God vows to defend. You see it over and over, especially in the Hebrew Bible, over and over and over again. The orphan, the widow, the immigrant, and the poor, right? Or the stranger and the poor. Orphan, the widow, the stranger, and the poor. Uh, and God, God says over and over that I will protect these people. And if you read the prophets uh, in the Bible, to be a nation that exploits those people is to declare war on Yahweh. his guns and his flags and he'd sell out his son if that's what it takes to win an election preacher is donald trump god's new plan to show us the way and to save us he can build up a wall he can protect us from all the people who don't like our white jesus